Welcome to the Player Development Project podcast. My name is Dave Wright, co-founder and editor of Player Development Project. PDP is a website for coaches who are committed to learning, and we provide a huge library of resources which consists of cutting-edge insights from the world's most innovative player developers, coach educators, and researchers. If you want to learn from the best and join a community of like-minded coaches, then check out playerdevelopmentproject.com. On this week's Player Development Project podcast, we answer a question from our community and try to offer up advice on practical problems faced by coaches around the world. Hi everyone, welcome to another Player Development Project Q&A. Pleased to be joined as always by my colleague, PDP Technical Advisor, Dan Wright. Dan, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. I'm starting to get a bit cold. I'm waiting for my PDP hoodie or jumper over there They're in the pipeline. <laughs> We're working on it, mate. We're working on it. But uh, yeah, winter's obviously arriving where you are and it's getting to that stage of the season. We've got a really interesting question this week from Andy via Twitter. And it's around uh, what are the different approaches of coaches when working with female players? So really, is, the, is there a different approach or, or do we need to look at this? Dan, what are your sort of initial thoughts around this question? Yeah, I mean, I'm not super well placed to answer this question. I've done one season working with uh, college girls aged 16 to 19. So my experience of this is is quite limited. Um, I quite enjoyed it and I'd recommend it to any coach, you know, it's, it's experiencing, you know, a, a different environment and, you know, maybe a different sort of demands on you as a coach. Um, so my experience would be that, that I found the girls were really interested in their learning. They wanted to understand, you know, what was the point of the practice, you know, how would it transfer to the game? And then also, you know, quite interested in sort of their, their own sort of reflections and feedback of, of how they played and what they needed to do better. So I, I found that sort of learning process, again, it's just, just this one group. I found it a bit quicker than, than working with guys of the same age. You know, so even from the sideline, if you explain something quickly, they tend to get it a little bit quicker than, than, the, than the guys. But, but like I said, I've only done the one season. I know you've been fortunate to sort of interview a few people and, and, and get some sort of feedback. So what's your opinion on this question? Yeah, mine's sort of twofold in terms of my first answer around this. I mean, it's been 10 years or so since I coached some National Women's League back in New Zealand, and I was fortunate enough to do that with Tony Redding. So I thought, obviously, my experience is, is a little bit rusty in this area, but from a personal experience, I think it was a case really of similar things to you. Um, there was a real desire to be engaged with the process, and there was a real, um, also a real, in terms of the style of play, a real physicality and aggression to the game. Um, which, for, you know, when I sort of went into that environment, I was really impressed with the, the quality and the attitude of the players at that stage. And, and I think it also um, helps you in terms of dealing with, you know, dealing with men and women obviously can be different in terms of, you know, how your approach might be communication wise. But for a sort of stronger answer than what you and I could come up with initially, I actually went to Tony, who's now the New Zealand women's coach, and I got a quote from him. So what I'll do is I'll read through this quote and then I'll talk about a little bit um, that I picked up over in Europe through a few interviews from some top people as well. So Tony came back with a really interesting answer and he said there are many and mainly similarities when coaching females compared to males. Some coaches at times adopt a different approach and reduce their expectations and standards. This is not required. Female football has improved immensely and for female players to realise their potential they should be challenged to the same level. From my experience, female players are very open to learning and enjoy being involved throughout the learning process. Adopting a questioning approach can be a very successful strategy as female players enjoy being challenged in this way and enjoy the internal rewards that this brings. In some cases, female players, 
players sorry, have not accumulated as many training hours or observed as much football. And in these instances, a questioning approach can be even more effective in addressing the performance gaps. And I think that statement from Tony is really around the sort of, at times, lack of professionalism in, in certain areas of the game. So you look at the place like the States, very professionalised. You know, the girls are getting paid the way they should be. They've got quality leagues, whereas perhaps the challenge for Tony in New Zealand is the fact that the game is still uh, developing and, and he's been a big part of that over there. The final part of his quote was that, Female players greatly enjoy being part of the culture building process and the sense of belonging to a team and something bigger than themselves. Involving players in goal setting, the why and setting behavioural standards, the how, can pay big dividends in ensuring the training environment is conducive to improving both individual and team performance. So some really good insight there from Tony and we've spoken to him previously in a masterclass discussion about building team culture and the women's game. So I'd recommend that one for Andy in terms of this topic. But any thoughts on what Tony's had to say there, Dan? Yeah, I think there's some correlation between your, you know, our experience and Tony's there in terms of the players wanting to understand the why of the practice. Um, and just as you were reading those quotes out, I was thinking also about, um, you know, how, how it's about individuals, whether they're male or female or, you know, 10 years old or, or 36 years old. We've mm. got to understand the individuals that are in front of us and, and then coach accordingly. So I don't think, you know, sort of understanding that behaviour, I don't think that, that changes throughout those age groups or those genders. I think it's it's you know sort of a cornerstone of coaching, isn't it? You know, understand the individuals in front of you. Absolutely, and I think it's a really interesting point about the ages there. And and one thing that is quite unique to the women's game is often when you're coaching women's football, I guess the pointier end of the spectrum and the higher level, um, you'll often find 13 or 14 year old girls playing in the same team as a 33 year old, and that's a really interesting dynamic to manage. You know the the sort of anxious or apprehensive girl who might be coming into the environment with adults. Um, and that's entirely unique, really, I think, to women's football because due to probably the systems and structures around boys' football, um, perhaps the age groups and the, the fact that there's a bigger number of players traditionally, um, it, it sort of makes those systems more in place. Where obviously, we've still got lots of girls playing with boys in grassroots football and then potentially when they're getting into the more elite end of the game, they're playing with women, which is an interesting dynamic to manage and something I saw firsthand. Some other people that I spoke to about this were uh, over in Norway when I was lucky enough to go and venture over there a couple of years ago and interview Evan Pallarud, who used to coach the Norwegian national team, uh, Katrine Pedersen, who played, um, I believe from memory, well over 200 games for Denmark, and Solveig Gabranson, who was a Norwegian international. And they spoke very much around um, the so society sort of and the culture reflecting the way the women's game was viewed. and how, you know, obviously Scandinavia is known for being fairly progressive and very much gave uh, females the vote, you know, through the 60s and 70s, there was a lot of history behind the quality. And the, the game was never looked at really differently over there. It just was the women's game and the men's game, and it was never really different. So going back to the question, their sort of idea was that it isn't different. And I think that aligns with Tony's answer. Um, I remember Katrine also spoke heavily about the extrinsic rewards um, in male football and Lara Mossman's written an article called 10 Number Friend in issue 8 of the magazine on this topic about how the intrinsic motivation of female players who perhaps aren't getting financially remunerated at the top end of the game means that that desire and that motivation or that true love of the game exists whereas often in male football there could be that pressure or that extrinsic motivation in the form of contracts or finance that means that players' identity is tied to the game, whereas the women are playing for the love of it, perhaps more. And again, this is up for debate. Um, it's an interesting that, topic. Yeah, and that's maybe ties into what you're talking about with the structure and the age groups as well. Like, 
I suppose <clears throat> in the UK we have a lot of structure, don't we, around age groups and you know formats of the game and and you know there's positives and negatives to that, isn't there? You know if it's probably less structured and you've got people of different ages and different abilities playing at the same time, that there's also some positives out of that. So maybe you know those two things tied together is, is something that that we need to understand a bit more of it. This sort of all ties into the you know the, the PDP message of of who we are as how we play, isn't all that sort of uh, culture and, and environment around the game might reflect what the actual game is looking like itself. Mm, absolutely. Well, look, there's plenty of content on the website there for Andy to check out. Hopefully going to Tony has helped answer that question. And uh, Dan, we thank you once again for your time. We will look forward to another PDP Q&A very soon. Thanks for joining us on the Player Development Project podcast. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at PlayerDP or find us on Facebook. Don't forget to head over to playerdevelopmentproject.com where you can sign up to our progressive coaching community and gain access to our wide variety of resources to help you in your coaching.